A reading from the book of the prophet Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Set out for the great city of Nineveh and announce it to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh, according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walking announcing, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be destroyed. When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw by their actions how they turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways, O Lord, teach me your ways. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your path, guide me in your truth, and teach me, for you are God, my Savior. Teach me your ways, O Lord, teach me your ways. Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your love are from of old. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Teach me your ways, O Lord, teach me your ways. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your ways. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. I tell you, brothers and sisters, the time is running out. From now on, let those having wives act as not having them. For those weeping as not weeping. Those rejoicing as not rejoicing. Those buying as not owning. Those using the world as not using it fully. For the world in its present form is passing away. The word of the Lord.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. Perhaps we are somewhat puzzled at the presentation of the gospel today relative to what we heard last week. Didn't we hear the call last week? We certainly did. But it was a different type of a call, if you remember. It was from the Gospel of John, number one. And so at the very outset of this Gospel, Mark, who gives us the, uh, shall we say, the Reader's Digest version, you know, it's just the facts, just the facts. He's given us the, the hard facts of the Gospel as it pertains to what Jesus was about and what he intended to realize, and how this came to pass. So at the very outset, the very fact that Mark begins by saying, after John had been arrested, he wants us, he's assuming we already know about how John set up the situation, that we're already familiar with the other synoptic, the synoptic gospel of Matthew and Luke, and also what John presents. This is not, in other words, the first time that Jesus is encountering these men. They have seen him or heard him before. Remember last week, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then two of his disciples were told one of them was Andrew, the brother of Simon, but we weren't told the, the name of the other. But scholars have always speculated, particularly because it's consistent with the way John writes his gospel. When you go into the sixth chapter of John's gospel, for instance, and he gives us that beautiful bread of life discourse, he makes it a point to say there was a lot of grass in that area when Jesus tells them to have them to be seated. Now, an eyewitness is somebody who's going to write down such a detail. And remember, that was important when John concludes his gospel by saying, this gospel, what I have written, is written by someone who is trustworthy, who is an eyewitness to what is presented here. 
you can put your trust in the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. So Mark is assuming, he's taking for granted that we realize chronologically that after John pointed out to his disciples Jesus as the Lamb of God, two of those that were with him, it's believed it was Andrew and it was believed that it's the beloved disciple John himself, the eyewitness, the one who's writing the gospel, who went with Jesus and stayed with him, we're told, the whole day. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, the same time this Mass has started. So I think this is very nice for us to really have this moment again presented to us in its full context. So as we consider now what happened, what happened in that time that they spent with Jesus that day, we don't know. We don't have the details of that. But it had to be significant. Because now as we see the scene presented here, Jesus now coming on the scene, and it's also significant because it's after John had been arrested. We know there's an ominous overtone to that detail. Why was John arrested? He was arrested because he was not going to shy away from telling the gospel and to also fraternal correction where it needed to be spoken. As he spoke to Herod and Herodias, they were in a, a union that was unacceptable. He says, this is not right. And of course, Herodias held the grudge. Herod had him in prison, put him in the, in the, in the dungeon there. Then he enjoyed hearing John speak and all that kind of stuff. He recognized him as a holy man. And you know how it went. Eventually, John lost his head. But for John, that didn't matter. For John, what was important was that he preached and prepared the way for the Lord. The message got across. They got it. And now Jesus, at hearing about John's arrest, he recognizes the time of fulfillment. You hear St. Paul in a, in a way here. You know, St. Paul and many of the early church community, they had the idea that the parousia, the second coming of the Lord Jesus in glory, was near at hand. It was near on the horizon. He was expecting. So you hear him saying, those who are uh, living uh, with means in the world should live as if not. If you're married as if you're not married. So he's telling us, you can't, the ordinary way of living is no longer acceptable. You have, to, you have to up your game, so to speak. Step it up. He's on the way. This was the, the sense of things then. Well, of course, we know Paul had to correct himself and realizing Jesus was going to be delayed 2,000 plus years now, we're still in delay mode. But it's not because God doesn't care or that he's just prolonging something. No, it's because God's quote-unquote delay is his desire for everyone in the world to get themselves in order. So that when the call comes, as it always does, in the here and now moment, we will be responsive. And the response must be total. It has to be a total response. So perhaps when those two disciples of John went with Jesus that day, they had deep conversations about the relationship of John the Baptist, his role, his mission, and how he was setting the stage for Jesus. And may, perhaps Jesus told them, it's not time yet, but it will come to pass. And when it comes to pass, when I call you, be ready. And so we have this presentation today. The call goes forth. They respond without hesitation. And they follow Jesus. Now, 
whenever a conversation about a vocation or a calling comes about, more times than not, we think of it in terms of people converse about it in a way like, I sense I'm being called to a profession as a, as a, as a doctor, perhaps a, um, a teacher or something, you know, you, you kind of ruminate about it. But in this sense here, to be called to something specific, or shall we say in this case, to someone necessarily means something else has to be left behind. It has to be let go of. Now notice, when Andrew, when Simon, when James and John depart to follow Jesus, they don't necessarily leave their families behind. And we're told they left his, their father Zebedee in the boat <laughs> and the two other hired men, but that, that in itself was a location that they were in. They left him there. But as we read on in the gospel, Jesus actually becomes a part of their families. Remember, he enters the house of Simon. The mother-in-law is laid in bed with the fever. They tell Jesus about it. He speaks to her, grasps her by the hand, and the fever leaves immediately. So Jesus embraces them as his family. There's a new, as a reorientation. And we know that the family members of Jesus, mothers, brothers, sisters, and so forth, constitute those who hear the word of God and keep it. This now becomes the priority. This is the, this is the way it is to be. And it's in this light that we see how these men respond to Jesus. It's like two lovers, you know, you're in love. And it's a compelling type of a relationship, and it's a compelling love. And, it's, and in that, what happens? It's not uncommon for lovers just to kind of like make a, a decision to say, okay, this is it. I'm all in for you, and I'm all in for you. Now, that's, that's a decision that's made on the basis of an infatuation initially. But what happens with lovers? They come to understand as the relationship matures, there's so much more involved in growing in what you have said yes to or who you've said yes to. It's so much more. And the same holds true with the call of God. The disciples didn't just, when they initially jumped at Jesus' invitation and went with him, they already recognized he was extraordinary. But we know it took them time to grow in the depth of what this relationship would entail. John already, you already get the clue. John, after John was arrested, it wasn't going to go well for John in terms of worldly standard. But from the perspective of Jesus, which is always an eternal perspective, he's telling us, he's making it known. And he, when he says, specifically when he makes this clarion call, the kingdom of God is at hand. This is the time of fulfillment. He is banking on the, the Jews of that time or the people of that time being familiar with the prophetic utterances of the prophet Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel, of all of the prophets of the past, he is the only one who was given, who gave a chronological presentation as to when the time of fulfillment would be recognizable. Remember, he spoke with imagery. Nebuchadnezzar had the vision. Remember the vision, and it was the, a kingdom that would be characterized by bronze and then iron and then this, and then finally there was this little stone, this little stone that rose up, and that little stone would begin to rise up in such a way and spread across the whole earth. 
Daniel's prophecy prophesied the Assyrians, the Greeks, the Babylonians, and the Romans. When the Roman Empire took hold of the world, they would know, because they were conversant with the scriptures, they would know at some point the Messiah is going to be presented to us. And so Jesus specifically saying what he says in choosing 12 men, which is significant, the 12 tribes of Israel. And one of the primary things about the mission of the Messiah would be that he would bring back those tribes that were scattered, particularly during the Assyrian invasion and, and, and captivity. They spread the Jews all over. The, tribes, the 10 tribes in the north were scattered all over. So it wasn't just going to be the mission of the Messiah to bring back the scattered tribes of Israel, but it was also going to be his mission to bring in the whole world. And we see this in the Gospels when it specifically highlights the fact that Jesus went into the district of the Decapolis. These were the Gentile territories. He was specifically going. Why? Not just because Jews were scattered amongst those Gentiles, but he also wanted the Gentiles to take note as well. This is the time of fulfillment, you are also invited to embrace what has been set in motion. But why fishermen? You ever think about that? Why fishermen? Again, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 16. Whenever something sounds kind of like, wow, what about that? Just go to the Old Testament. Look for it in the Old Testament. Most of your Bibles have footnotes and you can see in there and you can go back and you'll see it. Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 16. A prophetic utterance from Jeremiah spoke of, but it was a word of judgment. But in this case, it speaks of the time of the end of the end call, calling everybody in. He makes reference to God would raise up fishermen and hunters to go out and get them. And so it is, the fishermen, Jesus chooses fishermen, not just because they were fishermen, because he is the word of God fulfilling the prophecies of the past in this moment. It's at hand. It's at hand. What will it require of us? What will it require of you? What is the Lord asking you and I to let go of or to, to depart from and to go towards? Is it, is it to depart from a disposition of melancholy, a melancholy disposition because you've had so many hardships lately? It just seems like sometimes one thing after another. You just say, okay, uh, <laughs> I mean, really? You know, it can be like that sometimes. And sometimes it's in those quote-unquote interruptions, in those quote-unquote inconveniences that God is, the call is there, that God is trying to get our attention. Do I have your attention? Please move away from that. Come to me. You've spent enough time. Remember Samuel was mourning over the fact that Saul was rejected by God. How much longer are you going to mourn over this man? Get up and go to the house of Jesse. For I've chosen my new king from his household. Remember the word. It's there. God wants us to understand nothing is insignificant. Everything is possible for God. And all options are on the table. Nobody is beyond the call. No one is insignificant. Jonah resisted. He was reluctant. He was like St. Augustine. Give me chastity, O Lord, but not yet. The famous prayer of St. Augustine, give me chastity, O Lord, but not yet. St. Augustine steeped in the sins of the flesh in his younger years. 
But when the time came and the Lord, the word of God jumped off the page, he gave himself totally over. And when Jonah got the message that God wasn't playing games, when the whale swallowed him up and, and spewed him out, he says, now do I have your attention? Now go into Nineveh and do as I have told you. And he went reluctantly. And yet the word of God had the effect that the word of God has. The entire country, the city, the entire city converted. What would that look like? What would that look like if the entire city of Belchase, of all of us, we say the parish of Plaquemines would just turn away from whatever is, is, is against the, God, the will of God and just be all in? What would that look like? It would be something to behold, to say the least. And yet this is the type of thing the Lord wants us to bear in mind today. So let us renew our hearts Renew our minds in a disposition of gratitude. This call is here, and it's now. It's for one and all. And we all have a part to play. Let us not miss the moment, the opportunity. It is here. Jesus is declaring to us, this is the time of fulfillment. I will make you fishers of men. He will take whatever your skill set is and he will help you to repurpose it towards something greater. You still can enjoy your hobbies and your, and your, and your, and your things that you enjoy. He's not saying you got give up fishing or give up football and basketball. No, he says, let's take that energy and let's harness it now towards that which matters most, relationships, souls that are precious in my eyes. I want them. Help me. To bring them home. Help me to bring them into this relationship. Let us pray today in this Holy Mass. Let us receive Jesus with a new disposition. Make up your mind today to leave whatever needs to be left behind. When you receive him today, say, Lord, I give you this and I'm tired of it. I'm just, I'm here. Take it. I receive you. Show me the way. Show me the way. God love you.